Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and welcome back for our episode five, or Memorial Day week, I guess, episode. Um, we were kind of talking about what to, to go with this week, and we decided on a pretty serious topic that was in the news this week. Um, for those of you who don't know, Akeem Alou was pretty central figure in a lot of the serious stuff that happened in hockey this year um posted an article to the players tribune about racism in hockey and it was really thought-provoking and so we wanted to have that conversation just about wider sports in general and racism and obviously this is not just a sports thing it's society there's so many layers to this um but i thought it was beneficial to kind of first off say where we're coming from and um I definitely have certain privileges. Obviously, I um, I'm, I am biracial, but I'm very white passing, like very white passing. Um, my grandmother, she has since deceased, but she was Japanese and been Japanese immigrant, so I am a quarter Japanese, but hence the name on Twitter and everything. But um, I'm very very white passing, and so I do enjoy a lot of the privileges that come, I don't know, enjoy is the right word, but I do like get you know a mean? lot of the pure uh, privileges. I, I get to go without a lot of the things that come with being biracial, where I would say like my dad and my sister are less white passing. And so they have a different experience myself. And then obviously I, I mean, have no African-American in like, uh, so that I have no experience at all. Cause it is definitely, there's, it's way different from the different races so yeah and like my privilege I'm straight white female I mean like and we're gonna get into like all kind of all the different minorities within sports and like with hockey is for everyone I mean I always I've only followed hockey for two years but my understanding was it was for LGBTQ like not awareness I don't know what word I'm saying word inclusivity um and like where all that comes in I like to consider myself an ally so like and I know you do too so I think that's where we're coming from with this as far as like talking about it is from like an ally perspective and like how even we could do better and like obviously sports as a whole and this is something that I've always like kind of think is important to say because I think some white people have this tendency when someone says something to them like oh I don't like this this is a little like insensitive or whatever or even saying this is a little racist they think that you're then calling them a racist right and you're like most people aren't and most people like most people of color they just genuinely want people to try and if you're trying they have a lot of grace and understanding that society is a certain way and if you're trying to be inclusive and open to hearing their feedback and like hey don't do this like this is what that means then they're very receptive to that and so I think it's just about coming in with the right attitude and so that's the attitude that we're coming in with of like we want to learn we're by no means the moral authority on this this is just our perspective just two ladies perspective yeah so with that, I thought it might be a good idea to kind of recap a little bit of the Akeem Alou stuff. And yes. so Morgan, I thought it would be interesting to hear from your perspective because you're still relatively new to hockey. And this is kind of the big story this year. And so I think it's interesting to hear from someone who maybe isn't as deep in the hockey world as I am. 
Yeah, so I, I guess if we're really starting from the beginning of all of this, it was, what, like October? Like, it felt really early in the season that, um, what's the coach's name? So it, it was November. In the middle November, of November, okay. Mike Babcock got fired from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. And then is, um, it was with the Flames coach, right, that it really yeah. started talking about, so, like, it kind of expanded. So for those of you who aren't in hockey, um, Toronto is like the center of everything in hockey. So when teams play in Toronto, like if ever there's like a major drama with a team, it's usually going to get exposed when they go to play Toronto because there's all this media looking for every single story, all of that. So of course, when this legendary head coach gets fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's like this big thing. And it came out this story that Mitch Marner, who now makes like over $10 million and is like their big play, one of their big players, when he was a rookie, Mike Babcock asked him to list the players. Right. Oh, there's so much to this that I totally forgot about that part. List the players on the team, his teammates, from hardest working to least hardest working. And of course, the guy puts himself last to try to like, but he didn't want to do it like he he was trying and trying and the coach made him and then if that isn't bad enough which that 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 is bad enough he shared it with the players now luckily the players that he listed I believe two of them at least were Nazem Kadri Tyler Bozak um neither of whom play for the Leafs anymore but not for that reason because they both are actually really good hardworking players and um but they're veterans and he was a rookie and they under like they're confident enough and understood enough about like that's messed up no and so they didn't it didn't harm their relationship with Mitch who is by all accounts just a puppy dog of a human being yeah and so it was and apparently at the time it's like the story is that Babcock apologized but there's a lot of stories about Babcock being a little over the line a little bit as a coach and so that's one thing like that's a story Mm -hmm. but then from that Akeem Alou and okay this is the thing that's crazy I have to say from my perspective so um the Leafs play the Penguins and the Penguins like beat them terribly it was like the Leafs goalie's first NHL game it was not pretty and then the Leafs go and play Las Vegas lose and then Babcock gets fired. Then that weekend, so that story comes out, it's like the middle of the week that story comes out. And then that weekend, the Leafs, play, or the Penguins pay the, play the Flames. So we're always like adjacent to these stories, <laughs> but we're never actually involved. <laughs> but the Penguins play the Flames. And while the game is going on, Akeem Alou who um, is a professional hockey player, um, not in the NHL anymore. I believe he played overseas for most of this year. Um, tweeted out, like, not surprised that Babcock did these kind of things. His crony, or like his, his right-hand man kind of thing, Bill Peters, said a lot of racist things and all of that. And then it's kind of the stories kind of started trickling out where it was like, Bill Peters, who at the time was the coach of the Calgary Flames, who were playing the Penguins, um, sent like used the N word and specifically was like, "Stop playing that N word music to a locker room room full of people," but directed to Akeem, who is black, and all, and then like 
other stuff came out about like kicking players like while he was in Carolina which was really recent and all of this kind of stuff and it just like became apparent that there were a lot of things wrong with this guy like a lot of things and so as I remember from the game because obviously I was watching the game as it happens and then I saw what was going online so um they did not make him available for media stuff I think they really like clamped down on who was available it might have just been an assistant coach and no players which I completely understand because you don't want to throw your players who don't know anything more right than what's popping off on Twitter right now like that's not fair to them so I, I completely understood that and so then there was this whole long ordeal and clearly what they were trying to do because you can fire a coach with cause and you don't have to pay out their contract but it's this whole long ordeal that's probably going to involve a lawsuit but they didn't want to pay out the contract because it's like, it's not just like, like Mike Babcock is still getting paid by the Maple Leafs because he got fired for not being good. Now other things happen, but, but this, like they were very clearly firing him because he's not a good person. Right. Which, and so they were basically negotiating a resignation where they would pay him some kind of settlement, but not the full amount. And then he could resign and he did all of that. And so that happened. But then over the course, like we found out about other coaches who were abusive, um, a minor league coach of uh, Colorado's AHL team, or it was a trainer who wore blackface. We like found out about a lot of racism, um, homophobia, abuse, all sorts of things in the NHL. And it's obviously this isn't just a, an NHL thing, right. but it was kind of the NHL this year. And it, it kind of happened fast, but also in a way slow because I remember it took, it was like, it felt like a week, I think, before Peters was gone from the team. Whereas there were like, from the time it was reported of like how abusive he was to his players to like when he was fired it felt like there were like four other coaches in between that that were fired and so that was another thing kind of layered on top there were a lot of coaches fired this year a decent amount of them were fired for performance related reasons but okay that became a thing yeah now pretty much this whole season after Peters and then after Jim Montgomery from the Stars got fired pretty much after those two got fired everyone was having to be like this person got fired for hockey-related yes. reasons. That was the, the phrase, hockey-related reasons. And you would hear it over and over and over again. And it was really necessary because everyone, if, if it happened, they were like, wait, what? Yeah, and especially I feel like with um, Montgomery because he was fired so, like, surprisingly and abruptly that it was like, what did he – like, immediately your brain went with all the other ones. You're like, what did he do? What was found out? And of course it was more personal for him and not anything related to like him towards his players. But it definitely in those weeks during November to December, it was definitely like, okay, who's next? What's going to happen? Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a bit where we are as a society, because I think this is something that's a little uncomfortable for people. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we talked about it a bit when we, we mentioned the Leipzig thing. There are certain things that I, no doubt, we look back on and with hindsight say, we don't talk that way now. 
than we do like as we do as we did then like like the things we said then were wrong we just didn't know it at the time because like I watch Gilmore Girls and some of the jokes I've been rewatching it that's my (laughs) thing but some of the jokes they make I'm like oh my god yeah gay stuff and like all of it I'm like they would like never 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 right and but at the time that was totally mainstream but then there's some of this revisionist history where some of the stuff like it was in like the mid to late 2000s when Bill Peters said the n-word that wasn't okay then no like some of the things is very revisionist history of like oh like it's an old school kind of it's like no, that wasn't right then. If it got yeah. out then, that would have been a deal. And so I think you do have to, there is a line of, okay, stuff we've learned since then, and we have to give people a chance to grow. Mm-hmm. And stuff that was wrong when they said it, and they haven't grown at all. Like, Peter's proved that. Like, it was two or three years ago when he was abusing his players. Yeah. Like, hasn't learned. And even if he wasn't, like, the N-word has been wrong for so long that it's right to have a punishment for that. Yeah. And I will get into it more as we get on to like the more current things this week, but there's definitely a difference that some people haven't like accepted. There's a difference between like quote unquote locker room talk and like a team just like joking around with each other where everyone's in on it. And there's a difference between that and like, bullying one person picking out one person and like abuse like there's two different things I totally get that like some that some teams and players have like their crude humor and jokes while they're in their locker room clubhouse dressing room whatever it be but there's a different there's a line between Mm -hmm. joking around having fun everyone's in on it and then making it personal attacks um that and this is something that I, I, it was really interesting to hear the perspective because I listened to Spit and Chicklets talk about the Brand, uh, Brandon Leipzig thing. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because um, Ryan Whitney, who played in the NHL for a good amount of time, he's a really pretty good player, actually, um, was talking about what he saw. And he's like, you know, there are definitely some things said in locker rooms that if it was just like printed out for all to see, it wouldn't like, you wouldn't want your mom reading it kind of stuff. Right. But he's like, commenting on a player's wife who just gave birth and is holding their baby and commenting on her appearance that's something that never would even cross my mind yeah like it's not even like oh I would think it but I wouldn't say it no it would never cross my mind so how like like that's not locker room talk that's not boys will be boys like and I I have an issue with that statement yeah but even if we're gonna accept that there's like and I, I I definitely understand like shit talking happens yeah like I think that happened last year maybe or two years ago when the Ottawa Senators were absolute trash um and an uber guy filmed them yeah and it was a lot of them like shit talking their assistant coaches um power or penalty kill like oh it's an automatic goal and like and they ended up apologizing for it but I'm like People have the right to vent to right. their friends and talk about other people. Like, that happens everywhere all the time. Like, if you judge people for that, like, you're judging everyone, including yourself. Yeah. But there's, like, and that's the thing with, I think, some of the racism stuff. People act like it was, like, okay 10 years ago. No, it wasn't. Like, no, you know, you knew better. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, I, I think when all of this was talked about in November about like abuses in hockey based on like coaches to players, I don't, it, the conversation felt more like with fans and writers, not necessarily players talking about it, which I get they're in the middle of their season. Like they don't want to talk about that and like get off, but it's an important topic to talk about. And so I I think that's why I really appreciated um, Akeem's Players Tribune article this week Mm -hmm. because it was necessary. And even to me, it like opened up my eyes too, because it's like, I will never know what it's like to be African-American. I will never know. So to hear it from someone like that, you can't, and I feel like a lot of players somewhat subtweeted or whatever about it. Mm-hmm. And they like kind of like toss it aside. Like, well, we didn't go through that. So whatever. And it's like, but yeah, you didn't go through that. Like, look at your skin tone. You're not, you're never going to, like, I'm never going to be able to fully understand that, but I can empathize and like, and I also think it's a place of privilege to be able to say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I want to focus on hockey. Yes. Like, I'm so into the season. Because that was something Steve Dangle mentioned that, like, a player, and he didn't tell who, which is a good thing. Like, it just told him personally. He's like, yeah, like, we, we know when something like this happens, when the Bill Peters happens, a bunch of us players of color knew we were getting calls for statements and interviews. Because it's like, oh, who are the black people in the NHL? They have to have an opinion. And it's like, obviously for them, a lot of them really do value that and having the ability to have a platform to educate people. But they never get to take a break from that. Like, the the white players have the privilege of being like, oh, well, like, it's the middle of the season. Yeah. Like, worry about that later kind of thing. And I do think that was something so... I guess because we were kind of talking around this, the article was so fascinating and it, it, it went into some things that actually were public knowledge. The whole incident in junior where like the guy who ended up playing the NHL like beat him up and stuff and then he got traded and all of this and like he was booed and basically forced out of that team for not wanting to do hazing stuff. And that is a reality not and it kind of it does I mean I I think there most certainly was a racial element to it but that transcends race there is a huge hazing problem in junior hockey but there's a race problem in junior hockey and especially in Canada uh, uh with like native Canadians that kind of thing there's a lot of different kinds of racism and stuff in Canadian junior hockey and youth hockey and all of that kind of stuff And so I think to me, that was an interesting component of Mm -hmm. his article. And it's something that I've always felt that obviously the NHL has in recent years really stepped up in like finding players, suspending players and stuff for being like for saying things that like, I remember they caught a Blackhawks player saying a gay slur Mm -hmm. and he got suspended for a playoff game, which is like, that's a real deal. And yeah. so I, it's like, they, they do take that seriously at that level, but at that time, they're, they're adults. They're like, so much of their attitudes have been formed. And it's yeah. like, where it's really fostering, where it's really like growing and, and gro- spiraling out of control, there isn't that. There isn't that accountability. And obviously, for a 14-year-old, accountability looks different than it does for a 20-year-old. But 
that doesn't mean there's no accountability or it shouldn't mean that there's no accountability. Yeah. And one thing that like really struck me with um, Akeem's story, because he, he named several incidents and like very specific and detailed. And he talked about how um, the one player like hit him in the mouth with his stick. And it was like for us, for like literally no reason. And it, it knocked teeth out of his mouth. Like, and he was talking about how he literally had to like pick them up off the ice. And that visual just like burned in my brain. Cause I can't imagine going somewhere, doing something that you love so much and being scared to go do it because you know, other people don't care about you and will hurt you. Like, that's just so jarring. And I think that really hit me because it's one thing to, like, not that verbal abuse is any less than physical, but it's it feels like it's one thing to yell at someone and, like, call the names and then to, like, just for no reason just shove your hockey stick in their mouth. Like, that just feels so deeply personal. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, it also, to me, comes back to the thing of, like, hurting someone, like, physically, like, so you can see it, so they have to see it. Like, they look in the mirror and they see their teeth are gone and, like, mm-hmm. there's just something about that just really, like, shook me. And my first thought was, like, where's the coach? And then my next thought about that was, like, coach probably didn't care. Yeah, and this is the thing, like, in hockey there is fighting. But I think Mm -hmm. people get that twisted because fighting and the NHL is very strict about this. If you, if you fight an unwilling combatant, which happened a year or two ago, they will kill you in a suspension. Yeah. Like 10 games or something insane like that, because that is like, it's like against the guy code or whatever, like against the code or whatever they want to call it. But like they're very specific about it has to be two willing combatants and you do see that in practice sometimes where a team is losing tensions boil over and the coaches do let two guys not now they stop it step in way before they win in a game but they will step in eventually but this was not that yeah he like suckered him in the mouth with his stick like yeah. no that and so that's where it's like that violates like whatever you think about it like it violates the rules of hockey like to just go after an unwilling combatant and I think I think so this is I definitely encourage we we always uh uh speak highly of Steve Dangle and his podcast is amazing and I think it's always interesting when things like this happen in the NHL because um their producer Jesse is African-American and a huge, or I guess African-Canadian, and a huge hockey fan. And he is really profound and measured and just such a great deliverer of, like, the point of view. And he had a great point because I do think sometimes then people who don't know much about sports or just don't like sports will then take this opportunity to like use it to denigrate hockey mm-hmm. which if you read Akeem's article he wouldn't want that right because he loved hockey the reason he did all of this is because he loved hockey and so what Jesse was saying was that basically it is true that this isn't a representative of the majority of teammates you're going to come across 
However, also true is that a few teammates like that make all people of color feel unwelcome. And I think that's the part that the other side doesn't get. Like the, the not all men or the not mm-hmm. all white people or the not all whatever, insert privileged position here, is that is true. And sometimes people do paint with too broad a brush. And that's like, that's important to say, like you have to speak in nuance, but nuance goes both ways. Mm-hmm. You have to say, even if it isn't all, one person with that kind of message makes so many feel unwelcome. Yeah. And that's why I think they lose it. That's where they don't see. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to speak up, not in a way of like talking over a minority at all. And like, I, I read somewhere that it's important to lift up their voices, but not like grab the microphone from them and like yeah. speak over it, that kind of thing. I'm totally paraphrasing that quote that I read, but, um, so like, I I get there are some people who are like, well, it's not my job to talk for them. And it's like, no, it's not your job to talk for them, but like help them have a space to talk about what they're talking, like Akeem writing that article in the Players' Tribune was like the perfect place because, I mean, that's what the Players' Tribune is for, for athletes to write their own articles and their opinions and stuff. But it's also like, I feel like us talking about it helps. And mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of players that seemed like that were just kind of like, well, that there's no, why is he talking about this? It's not like that. That was years ago, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, speak on it as like, okay, I didn't know this was happening, but now that I know, maybe we should do something about it. Well, and that's the thing too is until – I think Robin Leonard recently retweeted something about it, but until he did, the only active player I saw say anything was Steven Johns, who mm-hmm. is a defenseman for the Dallas Stars. And I think he's making like two point something million dollars. And so he's not, I just say that to be like, he's not a superstar. Right. He's not a person who's like, he's not Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. He's not something like that. Someone like that. And he just said something to the effect of like, there should be no place in this for hockey. Yeah. Like for the, like, and so just, and that is exactly what you're saying if he retweeted it. So it's like sharing the voice and amplifying the voice and just expressing support without speaking over. Yeah. And I think that was a really good thing. But like, like some, I saw you sent me something. It's like, it's the bare minimum. And we have to be like, oh, it's so amazing. But I think what made it amazing is the one guy willing to do the bare minimum is the guy whose position isn't guaranteed in the NHL. Yeah. He's not a superstar. Like you're... Tyler Sagan, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, insert player making a ton of money here, can say that and feel very assured that their playing time, everything yeah. about, like is all good to go. Yeah. And even like Stephen Johns isn't guaranteed a spot and he's missed over, he missed the whole season because of injury. So it's not like, like the team would know what to do without him. So it's not like he, he's a great defenseman, but like the team could easily be like, well, we know how to play without him, so let's just cut him. Yeah, and so that's where it, it was kind of pretty powerful mm-hmm. that he was the one. It's kind of sad, but yeah, it was also a pretty powerful statement. The, um, the thing that I really took away, like the one thing, obviously I took a lot away from it, but the mm-hmm. one thing that really stuck with me, and it was something that, and this is where I think listening to minority voices is so helpful because it's something I've always had a problem a little bit with hockey is for everyone, but I didn't really know how to like describe it. 
Oh my gosh, I and, think you're about to talk about the thing that I screenshotted from. <laughs> yeah, article. and it's the whole thing of like, we can't say hockey is for everyone because it's not right now, but it should be. Hockey yeah. should be for everyone. And I'm like, thank you. Like, <laughs> that's the issue. Yeah. And that's, and I think because, and that's what's not delivered well is they make it seem like hockey currently is for everyone where hockey is for everyone is like the goal, the yeah. North star, but we're definitely not there yet. Yeah. And like I said, to me, when I first started watching hockey and learned about hockey is for everyone night, my initial feeling like takeaway from that was like, okay, this is um, like pride night for, mm-hmm. for teams. But then you see certain teams and how they, they handle it. And you're like, oh, they're doing the bare minimum to acknowledge that it that it's Pride Night. Or it seems like they're trying to twist it so it doesn't have to really include Pride Night, but other, like... That's a, and as he pointed that out, it's like everything is under hockey is for everyone. Yeah. And so teams can kind of pick what they're most comfortable with. Yeah, because I noticed very quickly with the stars that they, like, like Klingberg is very much using it as pride night he used pride tape on his stick for the game um this past season or current season whatever we're gonna call it past season current season Mm -hmm. um but like I noticed that the stars kind of more did it for um like people with disabilities which is fine but at the same time it's like what you're you're picking like you said picking and choosing what you use it for and I think if you're gonna call it hockey is for everyone it needs to be about every minority if possible not just picking and choosing and the interesting I I screenshot the paragraph that like really stuck out to me as far as that because his article is called hockey is not for everyone um and like towards the end of his article I'm just gonna read the paragraph really quickly because he said it way better than I could. And he was like, the end goal here is to create a system from top to bottom that welcomes and nourishes everyone from every background. There needs to be a proper acknowledgement of how diverse our game is becoming. The NHL shoved their LGBTQ and Hockey is for Everyone support programs into the same month as Black History Month. When I say that, it made me feel like that, that people like us, the outcasts, are a chore to them. Something to tick off the checklist and forget about for a year. And when you don't feel like you're encouraged to take part in the game in the sport's biggest league, you feel that pain in your soul. The NHL must be better, pure and simple. And I think this is where, like, so something that just kind of came to me mm-hmm. is hockey is for everyone. That's fine if that's, like, if, if it's portrayed, like, this is the goal universally. This is, like, mm-hmm. a department goal. So, like, yes. that Kim Davis, who's, like, the... Uh, director of inclusion and diversity or whatever for the NHL like that if that's her department's goal or whatever that's like the big giant umbrella that's fine but then there should be all of these sub initiatives Mm -hmm. and it's fine if like I kind of am a little over how like everyone has to do purple jerseys for cancer and then yeah. everyone has to do camo jerseys for military. Like, everyone has to do everything. And, but then it, it loses its impact because they're just doing, they're just basically like the NHL is sending them stuff. stuff. They're throwing it on their players, auctioning some stuff up, and calling that good. Yeah. Whereas if each team maybe didn't do every single group, but did a lot of them and found their own initiatives within that, I think that's so much more powerful because it's more personal. Yeah. And did it for more than one night. 
Yeah. That's the other issue is it feels like, okay, we're going to talk about this for one night. We're going to make it really important. And then tomorrow it's back to whatever. And it, it feels so weird that it seems like teens just, they do squish in hockey is for everyone night within one like month or two month periods when it's like mm-hmm. hockey is on for like six, seven, eight months if they're in playoffs, like spread it out a bit and like make it a season wide thing rather than just like, okay, one night it's going to be this team, next night this team. And then once your night's over with, we'll never talk about it for the rest of the season. Yeah, and the thing I think, too, is it's so important to empower players because, like, Braden Holpe is someone who comes to mind Mm -hmm. who's super passionate about pride. So, and it's his wife who's really passionate about it, too, so they're, like, super involved with it. He's always raising money, involved in that, all of that kind of stuff, and, like, fostering that such that any player who wants to do an initiative is free and feels celebrated when they do something that isn't super common. Yeah. So I think that that is is an important thing. And I will also say, because obviously we're talking a lot about issues and stuff like that, I will say something that has really stuck with me pretty much since it happened was an incident that happened in Chicago. And fair warning, I am not a Chicago fan, so it takes a lot for me to say nice things about them. But um, they were playing the Capitals in Chicago. And a Black player, Devontae Smith-Pelly, got a penalty and was in the penalty box. And all you see on TV is he just turns around and starts, like, yelling at Mm -hmm. someone in the crowd in Blackhawks jerseys. Well, then after the game, and it was corroborated by the attendant too so like everyone around them heard it these people turned to him this couple turned to him and as he was in the penalty box just started chanting basketball and it's like oh come on and so of course once it came out like uh the chicago and the united center banned those people took away their season tickets they're not allowed at the united center for bulls or blackhawks games all of that is well and good um jonathan tabes who's uh, i think quite an eloquent speaker and does speak out about some social stuff gave some really good comments about that and stuff but the thing that i thought was most powerful is a uh writer for the chicago tribune was like this sucks like this is horrible and Devontae smith Kelly was made to feel not welcome by Chicago like it's two people but he feel he know like would be very well justified to feel that way about Chicago so I want to do something about that and so I'm going to donate some money and he can pick the charity that it goes to and I'm asking all any readers to join me in this and they raised twenty thousand dollars in like less than a week and Devontae smith Pally was very gracious, very touched, said a lot of nice things, and then chose a program in D.C. that supports hockey for people who don't have access to it, for minorities, that kind of stuff. And so I think that is a great way to handle it. Yeah. Because you're not only just saying, this is crap, like that should not happen. Yeah. But you're, you're saying... Instead of saying, okay, you shouldn't made to fe- be made to feel not welcome, you should also be made to feel welcome. Like, yes. there's two things. Yeah. There. And so I, I really, really like that response. 
Yeah. And, um, cause I know we're also going to talk about baseball stuff too, but that, that reminded me, I think, I think it was last season. It might've been two seasons ago, but I think it was last season. There was, um, there was a lot of talk of, I don't, and I don't remember which state I, for some reason, my head is telling me Yankee stadium, but I could be wrong that there were a lot of players, um, African-American players that would go there and feel very unwelcome because, and it was outfielders a lot because they would be out there and they would have people in the stands. And if you're in the front row of the, out, of like the outfield stands, you're fairly close to the outfielders. Like they can clearly hear you. Um, and there were a couple outfielders that were saying like, yeah, we get yelled at and it's not nice. Like, and we've had things thrown at us and it's racially charged. And so like, even I feel like baseball in a way is kind of seen more progressive compared to hockey. Oh, definitely. Um, but it's, it still has its issues, obviously. Um, but that, that was one incident that when you mentioned it in Chicago, that it reminded me of that. And I mean, I should go look up which stadium it was. Cause I, it, I want to say it was Yankees or Boston maybe, but um it, it was something that hadn't really been talked about until I think it was last season. And like you said, they there were a lot of where it was immediately talked to um, the other African-American players were asked for their comments on it and what's happening. And there are a lot – and I, I want to say Delino DeShields, when he was with the Rangers, had mentioned it too at the same time. And he was like, yeah, I mean, but what's the point in complaining about it? Because you can't go find those people and ban them because it's a it's a bigger crowd they're not right there like they are at hockey games where you can tell where they're sitting in their front row and what seat number um but yeah it's it's something that I think needs to be talked about way more than it is and I will add this is another thing that I got from Jesse from the Steve Dangle podcast who kind of drew my attention to something so one thing I'd seen previously that I had seen all over Twitter and stuff was um uh what's his name Keandre Miller, who is a prospect, he hasn't yet played in the NHL for the New York Rangers, and who is black, was doing a um, like Zoom Q and A thing. Yes. And the NHL or the Rangers or whatever did not have enough measures in place, which is on them. Like that was a little bad, but a lot of like racist stuff flooded the questions, the usernames, and all of that. But the thing that Jesse also added to that that I thought was interesting is it's called EASHL, which is like the NHL hockey game league thing that you can play where you have teams and you play against each other mm-hmm. in NHL 20. Um, there will be teams full of people with racist names. There will be, and he screenshots, he sends screenshots, and they are disturbing the names that people come up with. It's not just, it's not even like, this is, this is how bad it is. I'm actually going to say this. It's not even just the N word. It's like horribly descriptive. Yeah. It's just, it, and the EA, all they really do is like an exact spelling of the N word, the ban. But if you throw a face in there, or if you drop one of the G's or something like that, like then it gets through and it takes forever those people kicked out and obviously I understand that from a technology perspective they're playing catch up because for every way you can find 
to, oh, well, we'll add this and ban that. We'll add this and ban that. There's still going to be people. But this is something I felt about a lot of platforms. They need to dedicate more time to getting, like, reviewing complaints. And then they also need to have a, a sorting system for complaints. So that way, some of your more disturbing ones make it to the top first. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot to go on that from a technology platform. And that impacts so many people because it's not even just like obviously NHL, NBA, MLB players, all of them have rights to not have racist attacks. But when it happens in a video game, how many minorities is that impacting? Yeah. And so I think that's important. But like you said, um, something I did want to mention, because obviously I am uh, part Japanese, and there are a decent amount of Japanese players in Major League Baseball, which is pretty cool. And uh, I forget which year the World Series. Uh, it was 2017, so, the year the Astros won. Yeah. And you Darvish <laughs> yeah. was pitching for the Dodgers, right? Yes. And um, Yuli Gurriel was an Astros player, and um, he did, I'm just going to say the eyes gesture, I don't really, I mean, like, and he, um, it was caught on camera, and everyone knows that's horribly racist. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it was obvious. Yeah, it was obvious what it was in reference yeah. to. Yeah. Like, no one does that except for very racist reasons, and so... The thing that was disturbing about that is, of course, they recognized it was wrong. They said sorry, and like, and he got suspended. But of course, he couldn't get suspended for the World Series because racism is bad. It's just not that bad, and that was just so frustrating to me. And I will say this: like, this is a very important part of my family's history. So, my grandmother obviously was born and raised in Japan, and she met my grandfather when he was in Japan serving in the Korean War. And they got married in the 50s. They had my oldest uncle in Japan. And then they came to the U.S. And then had the rest of their family, including my dad. But they, my dad was born in 1957. So he grew up in the 60s. And World War II had ended in 1945. And there was a lot of racism around World War II, somewhat because of Pearl Harbor, but then also there's this uncomfortable fact that some of the reason there was racism in World War II is because how would you pick out Germans? How do you pick out Japanese people? Well, they didn't just pick out Japanese people. They also picked out Chinese people. They picked out anyone who looked Asian, basically. Yeah. And that, that, those were people that were interned. Obviously, my family wasn't impacted by that because my grandma was still in Japan at the time but um after the fact those anti-Japanese sentiments stayed in the U.S. for a very long time and there's still some some aspects of that that remain today and so it really impacted how my dad when he went to school and the kinds of things that were thrown his way and I hear things from time to time and it's weird because people think it's cool that they can say stuff like that to me that I wouldn't say it to other people because I am white passing so it won't hurt me like I don't get that I never understood that logic but I think just from my perspective when that happened and it's like okay so a bunch of people who don't have any personal experience with this are saying that it's not bad enough and I'm like I'm not even asking you to kick him out of the league but it's like you, you, you make it, you're like, yeah, it's kind of bad, but it's not that bad. 
And that's just really frustrating, I think. And I think that's where a lot of minorities feel is it's like people who aren't like us make decisions as without even thinking, like without even consulting and asking. And it, it, then you get a lot of insensitive decisions. Yeah. And I, I remember it happening so clearly because I was like, in my mind, I was like, did that really just get shown on a live broadcast? Like, really? And it was so, I mean, there, there's no getting past like what he was doing and why he hit a home run off uh, Yu Darvish, who is Japanese, and then immediately in the dugout does that. Like, it, it was obvious what he was doing, why, and to who. And I remember recently reading, because I was curious about, like, did they ever, did he ever apologize? Did anything come from that as far as, like, him? And I remember reading, of all people, Carlos Beltran was saying something about, like, how he told Yuri, like, you can't do that. It's, it, it's, I don't even know if he said it was just inappropriate or whatever, but I remember him saying, like, um, he, he made an excuse for Yuri. He was like, well, um, he, he's not from here. So he doesn't, it, it, he made it like a cultural thing. Like it, Yuri didn't know that was offensive. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, so then why did he do it though? Because context tells me that he knew what he was doing and why, and that it wasn't like a funny thing to do. It wasn't like, like, I've never seen anyone else do it to celebrate a home run off you Darvish or anyone else. So context to me tells me he knew what he was doing, why, and what it meant. And then the fact that MLB, like you said, punished him, but not because that was like game one or two of the World Series. Like they didn't punish him for that. Like, okay, you're going to miss the next game or the next two games or the next three games or whatever. They gave him his punishment the first week of the next season in in the April of 2018 when games don't really matter then and if he's missing out on a week worth of games his team's not really going to miss him because it's not going to affect the game whereas like no if you do something in the world series you should get punished in the world series because you did something bad and that's where the punishment should happen because it should also punish your team for what you did and that's the thing if he got one game one world series game that would have meant more yeah because it's also the World Series. Like, that means so much to players that doing that would have really hit home. Like, what you did was wrong. Here, you'll miss this punishment. If your team loses, that's kind of on you, too. Well, and you also talked about at the beginning about how we're coming from this of, like, a desire to be allies. Mm -hmm. Beyond just the punishment aspect of it, baseball is never more watched than in the World Series. Right. If you publicly say this guy is not allowed to play in the World Series because he did something racist, that is the most public way you can be an ally. Yeah. Whereas when you say, oh, he's suspended for the first five games of next season at the very beginning when people may or may not be watching, that's not, that's not being an ally. Yeah. And especially because... World Series, our national broadcast, beginning of April, I mean, there was a chance that the Astros had a national broadcast in that first week because they were the World Series champs, but more than likely, it was only um, locally broadcasted, so, like, you're not really doing anything, and then if people are like, oh, why, they might, and honestly, he wasn't even that big of a player for people to really even question, like, oh, why, why isn't he playing in this game or the next game or the game after that, like, it, and I want to say he was even injured when the season started, so his 
uh, punishment was delayed by a couple weeks. But even then, it's not like he wasn't Jose Altuve. So like if you're going to get punished in the beginning of the season and you're Jose Altuve, it's going to be like, oh, why isn't Jose Altuve playing in this first week? That's weird. He's not injured. And then you go look it up and it starts conversation. So it, it, none of it made sense. And it was infuriating because, again, national broadcast, I almost feel like the broadcast should have been like, sorry, we aired that on TV. It was an insensitive thing to show. We apologize and then move on from that as far as a broadcast thing because mm-hmm. they showed it. And I, I still have the image in my mind of them showing it. Yeah, and this is where it, it – I just think – People sometimes view being an ally as saying positive things about whatever right. uh, population you're trying to ally yourself with. And that's not being an ally because that takes no effort. It takes no right. effort to retweet some something that is all warm and fuzzy. Great. Wow. Not saying that there isn't room for that, not saying that you shouldn't do that, but what being an ally is, is when things get go bad, not leaving them there to deal with it themselves. Saying, yeah. this is wrong, and I'm going to say it's wrong, and you should listen to these people tell you why, that it's, why it's wrong and face consequences for the fact that it's wrong. Or when people of color say, have like really interesting nuanced things to say about race magnifying that doing things that are hard that's Mm -hmm. like being an ally is is about doing some some things that aren't easy yeah like all of the easy stuff the the nice warm positive feelings like of course but like that most people would do that most people accept like your, your true like nazis which i think I think that's sometimes what people think. I'm not a Nazi, so I'm fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, great. You're not like the worst (laughs) 0.001% of people. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And that's like, I I, I sometimes feel that about sexism too. Like if you aren't hooting and hollering at women in the street, then you're fine. Right. And it's like, yeah, but if you do these subtle little things, that's kind of what's going on right now. And that's what perpetuates it for a long time. So these subtle racial things, like we always talked about it with morals. It was a huge eye opener for me early on people talking about women of color in the world fandom talking about all of the conversation around Megan's hair and how Mm -hmm. hurtful and upsetting and racist and how they were coming from people who quite frankly have no freaking clue what it's like to have like African-American hair like it's it's very different yeah. than ours and there's so many different things to it and so that really got to me and I, um, I was lucky in that I, I saw those posts and I think that's why it's good to follow people of very diverse backgrounds because you see yeah. those things and then it's like okay you know her hair the world can live without out my opinion on it I will say if I think it looks particularly stunning <laughs> but most of the time I just don't talk about it because it's yeah. like I'm ignorant about it. So why should I say something that would come off ignorant? Yeah. There are plenty of people who can comment on that intelligently. I'm not one of them. So, and I, I like as much as I would try, I would never be one of them. And so I'm not going to, and, and that's like, there's so many parts to being an ally that I just 
I, I wish it, it involves an investment that people yeah. often aren't willing to make. Yeah. And one, one team that I think showed tremendous effort in being an ally, uh, Carolina, Carolina hurricanes, they had, I believe they had a pride night separate from hockey. It's for everyone. And their entire Twitter feed for that day, not just during the game, the entire day, they were tweeting about Pride Night. They were retweeting people of, of in the LGBTQ community. Like, they had asked, why is this important? Ask them. And were retweeting it. And they were very interactive with everyone. They were, it wasn't just one or two tweets during the day. It was all day, the whole day. They were responding to people. I even saw, I... And I, I, the response to to everything that they did that on their end just had me so happy because most teams aren't willing to do that, especially a team in the South. And just and to me that really told me okay from the top of their organization all the way to their social media team like that's a team that gets what being an ally means and they understand it and why it's important and why they should do it even if it alienates a lot of their diehard hockey fans because I did see someone say like tweet to them why are you doing this what's the point or something along those lines and they're like we're doing it because we're an ally and those voices need to be heard and we can help that happen and that just like the whole thing I'm like they need to just teach not only every hockey team social media but like give a seminar to every professional team because to me I think it's one thing for like a New York team to do it or a California team to do it but like they're in the Carolinas, that's a very conservative area of the nation. So like the fact to see them do it and do it like full force was just so like for me as an ally also like just really just made me feel so happy and like, okay, if they can do it, more teams should be able to do it too. And it was really truly on both ends of it of like magnifying the voices of the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community in like you said the retweets and that was so important and then the other side of when people would have those ignorant responses they wouldn't retweet them so it wouldn't be on the main feed but if you yeah. went there and saw their replies you would see them replying very strongly yes. but not, it wasn't crass it wasn't there was no cursing it was just very strong and passionately I will say shout out to the penguins from a while ago this was years a couple years ago they had a pride night and someone responded like unfollow or something like that which is so idiotic so dumb. like yeah. I, whatever even if you're legitimately unfollowing someone the fact that you have to tweet them yeah. that you're unfollowing is very immature <laughs> but the penguin it gave the penguins a great opportunity because their twitter account responded like go ahead if you don't support inclusion in hockey then there's no point in you following us anyways yeah and i'm like that's all it takes. So That's simple. really all it takes. And I think the reason that the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter feed doing that for an entire day hit me so strongly is because so baseball does not have its hockey is for everyone-esque night. They do pride nights, but it's not a mandatory thing. Um, last year, there were two teams that did not do a Pride Night, and they both happened to be the Texas teams. And that, for me, was very frustrating 
and to also see people being like, well, what's the point? Like, why, why do they, why do they have to do it? I'm like, that, exactly. Because you're, and got into a full argument about this, like, a couple months ago. I won't get into it here, but, like, if you don't understand why it's necessary, that's part of the problem. Like, it's very easy to say, it, it reminds me of the, the people who say all lives matter. Yes, we all get that, but it's like, we're, we're not saying one matters more, we're saying one, when you say black lives matter, it's because they haven't been treated like theirs matters. Mm-hmm. That's the point of it. That's the point of Pride Night is because, yes, they're, they're welcome anytime, but like this time is specifically like to encourage them to feel safe there because they don't always feel safe. And this season, um, every team in the MLB was going to have a Pride Night except the Texas Rangers, which made me annoyed. Honestly, I think the Astros did it more of like a uh, trying to get people to come to their stadium because of their cheating scandal. That's what it felt like to me. But, you know, I was just happy they were at least doing it. The Rangers refused to do it. I want to say they haven't haven't done one since like I think 04. And even then they called it Gay Day, which like it problematic. That's Um, horrible. Yeah. And they haven't had one since. And it's kind of obvious that they don't do it because Texas is a quote unquote red state and they're afraid to piss off certain people, but it's kind of like, you're going to have, it's one night. If it pisses people off, just do it because it's still, your, your game, like baseball needs fans and like, why not encourage more fans to come? Like it's, it's one night. If someone's going to boycott one night at a Ranger game, who cares? Well, so that's actually a parallel I wanted to draw because this is, a rant I have a lot of times and I think it kind of draws in there of like people don't understand that like we're trying to especially hockey and baseball for different reasons hockey's always been the fourth biggest and baseball is kind of has an aging population of mm-hmm. fans so it's like it's important to grow the game yeah so why are we excluding populations that we can grow in like we have a good amount of the like white males like <laughs> Maybe we can expand that tent a little bit. And that's another thing that, like, kind of draw a parallel into something that isn't sports-related, but I think is, is I'm very passionate about because I am a Christian myself, and I think a lot of the arguments I see from fellow Christians suck. They're terrible because, like, they're not biblical at all. If you read, like, nowhere in there does it say, like, we're the moral police, like, right. that is expressly given to God, not us. And so it's like, if you really genuinely believe in what Christianity is, then your job as, like, expressed by God in the Bible is to reach out to everyone, because literally everyone on planet Earth has done some kind of something wrong, and whatever that is. And I'm not even saying that, like, being gay is wrong, because I don't right. believe that. That's where I definitely diverge from, like, mainstream christianity but any even if you consider that wrong everyone has done something and the bible says that very clearly and the bible says you're supposed to reach out to all of those people and so i've never understood the how it's evangelizing to be like you're horrible you're damned to hell come to our church (laughs) who would go to that who would go to that and i'm just sitting there and i'm like you know why can't you say don't care about all of these because that's whatever's going on in their life personally like that's between them and god whatever 
drug addict, um, whatever, like murderer, whoever, like all of those things, like the Bible expressly says those are between them and God. And so when people express judgment on anything like that and use it to just be like, nope, don't want to talk to you, don't want to deal with you, like you don't belong in my society. Like that is more anti-Christian and blasphemous to God than anything you think they're doing. Like, and I don't even need to get in the argument of whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. How you're reacting to it is so wrong. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's so frustrating to me is the place that it comes from, the, the religious reasons that it mm-hmm. comes from are so invalid. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a really frustrating thing when I see people say it's like for religious reasons. Yeah. No, it's not. It's a, it's a place of faux piety is what it is. It's not a place of like I true. Like that word. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, well, and if you read the Bible, Jesus hated that. Because, like, yeah. the, the people, they call it, like, Pharisees or whatever, who would go into the temple and, like, the Torah and be, like, all in front of everyone, following all these rules and being very publicly Christian, but then privately horrible people. Yeah. He, like, ranted and, like, those were the people he got the most upset with. So don't, maybe don't be those people. <laughs> and it's just, it's, Maybe because I was just raised to be, like, compassionate that it's so weird to see people get so mad at, like, just asking for one night to be extra inclusive and, like, publicly inclusive and outspokenly inclusive. Like, Mm -mm. I don't, I've never understood why that's the problem. Like, because one argument I saw someone make to me was, like, well, it's, because we, we, you and I have used the term gatekeepers mm-hmm. quite often. And I wrote something in, I think it was February, about, for, it was from my point of view about women being in sports and all of that. And I used the term gatekeepers. And someone literally thought I meant that there was someone at the gates at stadiums telling people to leave if they were in the LGBTQ community. And I was like there I, I I realized that there's no one literally standing there but you're not getting my point that like yes they can come to any game whatever they they're it's not like we're saying you can only come to one night one game a season it's just saying like it it's just being outspoken and like just saying okay you're you come you're totally allowed here but this is like your your day to really like feel safe and like accepted like and I I realize how bad it sounds to say that like it's one night that you're publicly accepted and everything but like those nights are important and I wish it was more than just one night that they did it because you know they have like first responders night and firefighter night and all those other nights and stuff and they do um like Spanish I try to combine words Spanish heritage nights and I know they do, like, Korean Heritage Nights at the ballpark, like, and those nights are so fun, like, you learn so much, like, I feel like that's the point of Pride Night, is you're just, it's it's learning, it's an education for a night, too, as you watch a baseball game. Well, and the thing, too, is, like, these are the same people who talk about, like, the war on Christmas, and, like, like, how, like, how they don't feel welcome as Christians and like to publicly be Christians and all that. It's like, these people are asking for the same thing. 
Yeah. So like you're talking about gatekeeping in a different direction. You're talking about gatekeeping towards you and you can get it when it happens to you, but you can't get it when it happens to other people or when you're the one doing it. And it's like, that's, that's willful ignorance. Yeah. And uh, there's like, I have no compassion for that. I have no time for that because there is, there's genuinely, and I'm sure I have this, some ignorance that's just like coming from a place of privilege of a place of, I don't know what I don't know. And right. I'm trying to figure things out, but I, there, there's always going to be lapses. And that is one. Th- and of course, when those things happen, people still have to apologize. They have to learn and grow. But as far as from my perspective, that's something where it's more forgivable, where I, I do want to like work with people, whereas people who don't want to know, who don't want to yeah. learn. And that's, it's like, most, like people aren't asking you to be perfect. Right. They're just asking you to be open to grow. Yes. Yes. I think that's like nail on the head. Like just be open to understanding and learning. Yeah. And so there, there's just so much here. And I think the important thing is obviously this is like, we, we chose this, this theme for this week because of Akima Lu's article and the impact that it made and the reactions and all of that. But this is not a, we talk about this. It's kind of, we're not doing the pride night thing where we talk about this, this episode <laughs> and then it never comes up again. Cause this is going to come up again mm-hmm. in different sports, in different ways all like this is a topic and this is why we said sports and life because we wanted the freedom and we also like we wanted to say from the jump this is not a show that will stick to sports yeah sports doesn't stick to sports it's not as if we just get out on the 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 playing field and do whatever sport and then just <laughs> forget the world exists because right. if that was the truth everyone would like all of these games would just happen because coronavirus doesn't exist because only sports exist. (laughs) That's not reality. And so that's, I think it's an important thing to say is like going forward that this is going to be something that comes up again. Yeah, for sure. If you don't like it, there's the door. Like, sorry, (laughs) not sorry. It would be so boring if all we did was sports because literally this podcast wouldn't happen because there are no sports right now. Yeah, and it's just like, how many times do you want us to hear hear us say, like, to rant about, which, I mean, we will do an episode on uh, Hints and Gurihanos, like, playing (laughs) time and stuff like that, but how boring would that be? By the way, so just total aside, I I came across that Dimitri's tweet today where it's like a tweet of a Gurianov to Hints past and it was so beautiful and speedy and all that and he said if Guriano and Hintz keep this up they might play 15 minutes a game once oh, oh. That to me, we have to talk about that sometime oh my gosh you just gave me what my rant is today then okay do you want to do that now rant yeah rant? yeah okay go for um, it because I actually had trouble I was like wow do I not have a rant this week um and I think it was this week that it was tweeted but um I think it was on the, it was either Stars, Fox Sports Southwest, one of them tweeted a quote from uh, Rick Bonus. I had to think of our current head coach. Um, and basically he was talking about how good Guryanov and uh, Rope Hints are and um, when the season comes, or if the season comes back, they'll get more playing time. 
and I was like, everyone was like, finally, acknowledgement. I was like, no, he's acknowledging because he knows the season's not going to come back. That's why he said, if the season comes back, they'll get more playing time because he knows it's not going to come back. So why bother saying, oh, yeah, they're going to get playing time when, like, it's not going to happen. And I'm like, of course, it's easy for you to say now because you, you, you don't have to live up to, the, to, that, to that promise. I, I wanted to scream. At this point, I don't take bonus serious about any of that stuff because he said stuff. Oh, I looked and they didn't have any blah blah blah. It's like, oh no, Shift really? Numbers. You haven't, you haven't looked at it, like, and then yeah, and then he did the thing about like, well, shift time versus shift numbers. But then when you look at the shift numbers, like, it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, come on. Um, and okay, when all of the numbers nerds all agree, because actually the numbers nerds do disagree on a lot of things. Yeah. Agree that you're way underplaying James and Guriana, maybe are. Because again, only my second season watching hockey, and I was like, okay, well, maybe they don't like, maybe I'm just looking at it wrong and I don't understand. But then when you start sending me like stats, people saying the same things I'm saying, I feel so validated. And okay, super simple, and this is definitely like an oversimplification. Hockey is going towards a speed and skill game, that's why it's a lot younger the average ages and all of that. I don't even think it's arguably. Your two fastest forwards are Gurionov and Hintz. They also happen to be really skilled, but they're also your two fastest. Why would you play slow people so much more than that? And they're the top three goal scorers on the team. Like that alone just tells me yeah. play them more. They drive play. They make people around them better. So it's just <laughs> anyway, that, that was not my rant. My rant also kind of has to do with hockey, but I mean, I see this everywhere. So you seeing all of these like return to play formats and the NHL has actually started to like approve one. And the basic format is I think there'll be 24 teams. Um, the top four from each conference, so eight total, of which the stars are one for the West. <laughs> Those four are automatically in and will play each other for seeding of the top four. So those eight teams are in no matter what. They'll just, like, decide seeds playing each other. The next 16 are, I guess, technically in the playoffs, but they're not in the first round per se. They play each other as playing games. So it will go from 16 down to eight. So we have eight that are automatically in and 16 that have to play for eight spots. I do see, I see people. <laughs> this isn't fair. Well, no, duh. <laughs> Whatever they did wasn't going to be fair. Even if we just did the top 16 in points percentage. Well, strength of schedule. Well, not everyone's played the same amount of games. And if they played a couple more games, their points percentage could change and all of this kind of this stuff. Whatever they did. If they played out 82, they can't play out 82 games. Yeah. That's, not realistic. And then, because then you'd be asking the Detroit Red Wings, who are already not even just practically eliminated, but mathematically eliminated, to come back after months off and play games as if they matter. No. They just came back and just won all of the rest of their games. But it's like they wouldn't even try. <laughs> they, they, like, have all of their, like, call up all their AHL players who aren't young, who are the older guys, and just throw them out there and whoever. Because they don't care. Because they're already out. And they've yeah. been off for two months. They're not going to want to come back and do a training camp and be isolated from their family. Yeah. No. Come on. So, nothing you do is going to be fair. You have to acknowledge that from the outset. Now, I do see the point that – 
24 seems a little excessive, but you have to think about it from the NHL's perspective. They're losing a ton of money. From 22 to 24, who are the two teams added? The Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks. Two of your richest teams, original six, having them in the playoffs, even if they lose in the first round, makes you a lot of money. The chance that they beat, and they, one of them will play my team. Like if it was 22, my team would get a bye. If it's 24, my team doesn't get a bye. So I have the biggest reason to be upset by this, and I'm just not. Because it's like, nothing was going to be fair. Of course, they're going to try to make the most money. Live with it. Like, so that's my rant. But it's just, <laughs> I hate people who do that. It's not fair. Yeah. Well, of course. just be happy. You might get hockey back. Yeah. So now it's grave. And we've done a lot of ranting this show. So that's most shows. <laughs> it's nice to end on a positive note. Um. I was trying to think of what I wanted my rave to be, but I decided I would go Royals because I haven't really talked about Royals in any of the episodes, I feel like, um, except the first episode where I mentioned I liked following the Royals. Um, so I, I've, I mostly follow the British Royals, um, mostly because uh, Kate's hair is flawless and I want her closet. Um, but I like seeing all of their... Uh, like zoom conferences and that they post the videos and the one they did this week was so cute and I loved it so much so they Will and Kate called bingo at for a I I think it was like a nursing home assisted living kind Mm -hmm. of situation um I I also want to say senior citizens have like a special place in my heart because my mom worked at a uh senior recreation center for uh, a number of years when I was in elementary school and I'd always go up there they taught me how to play pool and they played bingo every Wednesday so this like really like hit me and I was like oh this is so fun the the thing that really like made me so happy and I watched the the video was like 40 seconds I watched it like way too many times I found I, I guess they play bingo a little differently there than they do here because or maybe there's variations of bingo, I don't know, but there were no letters involved in this bingo. It was just numbers. And the thing that I loved is that they had, like, rhymes for every number they called. And it felt very British. And the one that stuck out to me was when uh, Kate called 62. She said six and two, tickety-boo. And with her accent, I was like, that's, like, quintessential British right there. Like, you have to go watch it if you're interested in just I just like hearing accents in general so that's why I found it interesting but it was just so like adorable that they had rhymes for everything and then what they asked they talked to one of the um, ladies living there Joan and they asked her how they did and she was like it was good not as good as it should have been but good and immediately I was like yep yep that's how all seniors react they they will tell you the the full truth um I the Zoom calls are awesome. They're and so some of the, fun. Like, not even just royal, but like some of the funny moments that people are getting. Yeah. So great. So, yes, definitely a big fan of that. Mine is a little older that I meant to do forever ago when I first saw it. Then I kept forgetting. And you actually sent it to me after I had seen it, but like had to like keep forgetting about it. Mason. Oh, yes. <laughs> Mason, so how to hockey, his dad is Coach Jeremy. He does a lot of great hockey instructional, and he's really big on, he's awesome on the, like, hockey is for everyone in the sense of, like, 
even if you aren't very skilled, like mm-hmm. learning basic things to skate and just like enjoying and having fun with hockey and not being so competitive. Well, he has a four-year-old son, Mason, who's the greatest thing ever. Adorable. He mic'd up Mason forever ago and it went really viral mostly because like well so he 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 talked about McDonald's or McDonald's <laughs> but he wanted after the fact or he kept getting really mad at old paint cans. Old paint cans. We have my mom quote that to each other <laughs> all the time. You old paint can and so it was so funny and so he did a mic'd up then he did a GoPro and I think he did another mic'd up recently that is hilarious. He It was filmed pre-quarantine. It was like the very last practice apparently his kids had before quarantine. And it was so lucky that he's filming it. And it's such great quarantine content because he's just such a pure soul, Mason is. Just love Mm -hmm. him. And I did love in the first video, it ends with, Tad, I love you so much. He's so cute. Thanks. I love you too. He's so adorable. So yeah, definitely just love that kind of content and honorable mention goes to this week um Zach Hyman and from the Toronto Maple Leafs and JT Comfort of the Colorado Avalanche worked with the Players Association to organize a Fortnite tournament that featured so many teams and then some also like wild card teams and they were playing like this big thing of Fortnite which I don't understand Fortnite at all <laughs> me so either can't explain any of it or how it all worked but then basically the top three finishers got like to split some money between different charities and it was I, I watched a little bit of it and the thing that I thought was really cool there's definitely some kinks they need to work out but it wasn't as glitchy as I was expecting partly because one of the people they brought in apparently calls like Fortnite competitions regularly. And so there was some structure to it. So yeah. there was some like actual commentary and stuff that helped me like understand, like I learned how important high ground is in Fortnite. <laughs> don't still don't understand things a lot, but then I would figure out like, Oh, they're doing well. Cause they're like higher up and you can see it when you're watching it, but like it's easier to win. Like it, it makes sense. But they would observe and like talk about strategies and stuff like that but then they had Zach commenting too and he would like tell you who the players are or like what he knows about the different players because he's he's played a lot of them or played with them as far as Fortnite also in hockey but also in Fortnite and so he would give you like little information and so it was really cool idea really interactive and then it was cool to see all of the different charities a lot of them centered around like food banks or hospitals or that kind of thing and then shout out to my Pittsburgh Penguins who finished second (laughs) and um, I think they got 60 grand they donated to a Pittsburgh the I think it was like the UPMC Alzheimer's oh I love that so I thought that was really great thing so thanks to them it was um, Zach Aston Reese was our um, captain and then we had um, Brian Dumoulin and Brian Rust, but a uh, special shout out to Zach Gaston Race because the stats nerds, they say if, if the Selkie for best defensive forward actually was, went on defense, whereas it's currently awarded to the uh, basically the best defensive forward who also happens to score a lot of points. You know, apparently offense matters for defense. Um, but if it was just purely on defense, he would apparently be a finalist. So he's a very good defensive forward. So shout out to him for being underappreciated and also for being our team captain for Fortnite. So there you go. And I'm sure there's more of that stuff to come. And I know MLB is doing one too. 
Oh, they are. Tournament. See, well, you know more uh, than I, I don't do. know. I don't know if they're doing Fortnite, but they're they've done like different tournaments. And yeah, stuff like that. they so, they did MLB the Show tournaments where players played themselves, but like they only did it. They did it in like April, and they finished at the beginning of May. I was like, you need to drag more, this out. More stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like so, like Spin Chicklets is doing one. And it's really fun because, like, the players will play as their own teams. And they're getting, like, some media personalities and some players. And then, like, on one, they had Keith Yandel, who's hilarious, from the Florida Panthers calling. Mm-hmm. And he, like, challenged Austin, Austin Matthews live on air. And so Austin Matthews tweeted and was like, what time? And so <laughs> then they were this week. And they had a bet. And it was awesome. So the bet was the next time, if, if Austin won, then the next time Florida was in Toronto – Keith had to walk Austin's new dog. <laughs> and Keith had a way better end of the Spartan because if, if Keith won, then the next time Toronto was in Florida, Austin had to watch Keith's two daughters while he <laughs> and his wife went out for dinner. And they're like, okay, granted, they're like six or seven or eight or something. Yeah. They're not like young, young, but still, walking a dog, watching daughters. Right. right? But Austin won, so. <laughs> So there you go. So just fun stuff like that. There's always fun content during quarantine, like yeah. quarantine, and I do appreciate that. But anyways, I don't think we know what next week is going to be yet. But we'll we've been playing it by ear. If you have any ideas, make sure to leave it on our Instagram, leave it in a review. You can tweet us. She's at Morgan Price. I'm Japanese underscore Ginger on Twitter. We love talking to you guys. I'm not on Twitter as much because I'm just kind of insanely busy with life. Sorry, but I try to be when I can. And this is definitely an outlet for me. So thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week. Bye guys.